And now, a message from our sponsors. Welcome to the Powers of Drake, powered by worthprotecting.com.au. Dom, your host here. And it's good to be back in the radio hot seat after weeks of flooding and other not-so-natural disasters here in Australia. And to all the Queenslanders, Mullumbimby, Mwoolumba and Northern Rivers families tuning in, my prayers and thoughts go out to all of you today. I cannot imagine the days are getting any easier being holed up in an evacuation centre. And thank you to all the people getting in their boats, grabbing what they have and helping those less fortunate than you. You, my friends, are the real Australian hero right now. Enjoy the show. Well, tonight I have Tim Johnston, a trucker for freedom and former acting corporal, coming on the air with me to talk about surviving the apocalypse, being self-sustaining with everything natural and breaking down just why hundreds of thousands took to the highways and formed a convoy for freedom in Canada and Canberra, plus a not-so-conspiracy theory alert to all my viewers at home. What is going on with these weather bombs in Australia currently? Tim, thank you so much for joining the Powers of Drake today, bro. No problem, mate. Thank you. Tim, what made you join the army in the first place? Was it the glamorous look of holding a Beretta or conquering what men might be looking for in an Archie-type alpha male of Mel Gibson's old movie Braveheart? I don't think Braveheart was even out when I joined in the army. I had a long-standing background with military through school, through cadets and... Uh, I loved military aircraft, so the Air Force was sort of the first thing to go to and got to have a look around the F-18s and F-111s when I was fairly young, but that was always sort of where I was going to go was Air Force and aircraft and kind of cool stuff like that. Uh, I got to meddle around with a lot of that sort of stuff and then drifted towards the army side of things, did more time at the range and spent more time with weapons and things like that but it was probably more a social decision to join the army when I did and it was a good chance, I, I grew up in Tasmania so it was a good chance to get out of Tasmania and explore Australia and the world and that's exactly what I got to do which was really cool and got to travel lots of interesting places all around Australia and all around the world. Well, I've got to say, it's every young boy's dream to to get on a a target practice ground. I believe at Auburn there's a shooting gallery that you can sign up to if you get the licensure and everything appropriately. And it's got to help with mental health a lot, hey, just to get that out of the system a little bit. Probably the first time I went to the range, it was a winter's day um, down in Brighton down there Hobart and I think I would have been 12 or 13 and just being able to use the old SLRs and things like that they've been reboard to a, a 223 which is the same sort of caliber as what they use now I think at the time but um, yeah it, it definitely gives you some discipline early on and um, firing weapons down the range and things like that, the smell of the gunpowder and all that sort of stuff, it quick, quickly gets you hooked. So, um, yeah, we set up some targets and things like that, and I was pretty shit at it to start with, but over time with lots of practice and things like that, it was it was really good. Plus, um, that was all prior to 
um, the Port Arthur side of things when they had the big gun recall. So things were pretty free back then with um, with firearms and things like that. Obviously, they've been immensely tightened up on us now, as whether well, well as other countries and things like that. And it's it's interesting to see actually at the moment like how much they're clamping down on rural people with uh, firearms and things like that. I've got a, a few people that are in court cases at the moment, which is quite interesting. But, yeah, they, they're slowly just clamping down further and further and further on the firearms, which, as we know, it's to restrict them from the, the government probably doing bad things to us. So I think in no point in history have uh, the public been disarmed and have... Um, firearms taken off them has been a, a good point in history. Yeah, you definitely got to feel torn being unarmed and very, very vulnerable on your own farm or private property, respectfully, Tim. As a man, something in you innately just wants to protect like a, a, a woman or, or a young child. Being a dad yourself, like this, this has got to really hit home where the government is doing every dirty tactic under the sun right now to disarm the community to say that guns are the problem when in fact it's just about the education around guns, the education around terrorism, the education around politics that is actually the problem. Would you say that there's a way forward or a solution in fact somewhere around the the mountain here that young men, young women that would like to be gun owners are going to be able to do that and the law is actually going to protect us if we do look at Again, doing all the bare essentials of people not just getting a gun because they're angry and they want to shoot stuff, but there's actually like a good reason to want to protect our families in the in the growing concerns around foreign uh, invasion. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think I started to notice a trend in our military around 2006, 2008 where things were starting to turn a lot and it was – starting to become a lot softer like I was I joined when I was 17 and saw a lot of changes over the eight years that I was in plus then I've been a a subcontractor back to the military for numerous years since but you can start to see how the spirit of the military was changing over that amount of time as well um going back to what you're saying with the UN rolling in and that sort of stuff, uh, I believe in Australia that um, in watching a lot of stuff on the new Parliament House is that Australia was designated to be the home of the New World Order and New Parliament House is um, built to house each representative from each country in Australia. So it's probably why... In some respects, what we're doing is quite important to stand up to what's going on in the world because we're sort of the first pillar to fall if they want to bring in this regime, which they seem to be marching away with nonstop. And you just see the amount of surveillance and security and overreach of corporations. We can't call them um, services but overreach for what they're doing and you start to see patterns through our Australian history of 
what's been going on and it's it's a bit concerning and obviously now we've got um, issues with flooding all up the east coast of Australia and all that and a lot of people are aware of the the rainmaking act and um, different uh, cloud seeding and harp technologies um, even down to uh, probably even the the 5G is able to control some of that as well. But if you, it's it's quite easy to find the information on um, different weather stations and things like that, where they can manipulate the weather. And you've only got to look at what happens above us in the sky a week or two weeks or three weeks um, ago when we were down in Canberra there uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was actually like a noughts, yeah. There was like a noughts and crosses crosshatch in the sky with all the aircraft passing over. Like you could have play, played tic tac toe in the sky. You just need a few X's and O's to add in the crosshatch. But yeah, it's there's definitely a lot going on all at the same time. Distractions, weather, all that um, at the moment, and it's very difficult for most people to be able to centre their attention. To one thing um, at the moment, and when you've got so many distractions, the it's the old sleight of hand technique. You're busy watching what's going on with the war in Russia and Ukraine, but you don't see that the Chinese military are just about to invade Taiwan or what happened to the Holocaust. Like that's just disappeared overnight. I I did see that um, that uh, a meme getting around that Putin got some amazing medical um award for making disappear all of a sudden so yeah it's um strange times man ukraine and russia i just got this passage in the bible and i'll have to actually post it later for anyone interested but just most importantly the rumors of war the mainstream media are rumoring that there is a war right now but when you're seeing other people post individual things on their social media platforms it tells a very different picture doesn't it and what that means is that while we're looking at what the left hand is doing we don't know what the right hand is doing and the right hand is the weather act the right hand is hitting families with radiation and chem warfare up in canberra and most likely in canada and china that's why everyone was getting pretty sick out of the blue and this rain that has just not gone away what do you reckon tim 10 days now where you actually feel very heavy and low energy when you go out in it because, huh, lo and behold, it's not natural. What can we do to survive this deliberate attack on our lives, on staying dry, and just on us feeling in control of our lives right now? I think the, the obvious answer there to what we can do to control is turn the TV off and not listen to the mainstream radio or tell live vision um so media is obviously the goddess of illusion um and that's what i i haven't watched pretty much normal tv or normal listen to normal radio or anything like that for years and years and years never really enjoyed listening to it or whatever because you just noticed all the fear porn and unfortunately like you hear a lot of these um, I guess alternative radio stations that 
they're playing a lot of music on and you hear the music. It's all about hating men and um, like these artists with manufactured music and you think, what is this rubbish? It's They play it continuously and continuously and it starts to sink in people's heads and I knew uh, a friend of mine who her son was six or seven and he's running around singing that Sean Kingston song years ago that he was suicidal in the supermarket. It's like, yeah, there's something definitely wrong with society if we're letting this sort of music infiltrate our um, eardrums and and poisoning us from all different aspects. So obviously words are spells and when it comes down to that, um, interestingly enough, like with music, if you look a lot into history with music and songs with different uh, bands and things like that, you've got um, all this subliminal messaging and relevation of method and all that in the words of the songs. And when you sort of look back on it, you go, well, there was no internet or anything like that back in the in the uh, 70s and the 80s and all that. So a lot of uh, musicians used uh, music to get a message across and sometimes you'll listen to a song might be by Metallica or Guns N' Roses or um, even some Australian rock bands you listen to the words and you go oh wow that's what they're talking about I understand that now so how mainstream is poisoning us from every which angle and it's very very difficult to stay centered to what we need to be true to and there's the the simple things like getting up early, watching the sun come up, watching the sun go down if it's not raining for 10 days straight and things like that. We don't get that dose of vitamin D every day that we should be getting um, and things start to, like body doesn't start to work the way it should. You've just got to look at the plants in the garden. Like they don't know that there's a pandemic on and things like that and the plants are starting to die because they've been poisoned or not get enough sun. So we've got to look to nature with a lot of what's going on and to be able to see what reaction the environment's having and our, our body works pretty much the same as well. So if, if we're getting bad water, we're getting bad food, we're not getting enough sunlight, uh, we're not getting enough vitamins and food, well, of course, things are going to start to go pear-shaped and um, the fruit's going to start falling from the tree because it's rotten. So it's um, definitely attacking all different angles at the moment. And as I said, we don't know which way to look at the moment because our attention's been dragged in so many different directions. It's good to be able to stay focused on the simple things that matter with your family, with your health, with what you're eating and drinking and plenty of sleep as well. Um, and try to stay on the tracks as much as you can because that's what's going to help you survive in the long run. How would you survive if you packed your things one day in the near future, left your worldly belongings, your iPhone and other tech behind? So imagine Caveman Tim, the alpha in the wild. What would be the first step to handle the changing elements? It's probably a question that goes through your head every single day and um, that's... Somebody asked me that yesterday, an ex-military person as well, he's ex-infantry, um, said, mate, what are you going to do? Probably the, the best answer I can give to that is you have to trust your gut. You have to 
like my gut's telling me that it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. We're going to ride it out. Just don't freak out. Um, and keep on the straight and narrow, as I, as I just said before. But if the situation come where we've all got to just get in our cars and go or run, um, which I imagine there's been plenty of people in other countries that we've seen over the last 20 years that have had been invaded and people come through and um, and clean out their countries. Uh, it, it's hard to say what you would actually do. Like we would probably say, okay, well, we're going to get all our possessions and throw them in the car and, and go somewhere, but not many people have really planned for that. So you can buy seven tons of food and canned food and all this sort of stuff to keeping your pantries to stay at home and all that. But what if you've got to move? What if you need to grab that stuff and go? Like do you have a tent and um, enough bits and pieces, places to store water, water purification tablets, knives, pocket knives, tools, hand tools, things like that. Like it, it could come down to the point of you've got to carry this stuff on your body or in a backpack to be able to um, flee where you're at. And as I said, I'm sure plenty of people have done that in Kosovo and Bosnia and all sorts of other countries around the place where they've just had people uh, roll in and and basically committing genocide in these countries. Um, like the, the only thing that they got out of was with their shirts on their backs and um, which is which is a terrible, terrible thing. And, like, I've been able to mix with people from, um, I forget which country it is now, but we had a lot of the people come here in, like, 99, 2000, 2001, and my grandparents were um, very, very accommodating and kind to these people who, who came over here and helped them find jobs and, help them learn English and that, but some of the stories that they have have told about what they went through is just crazy. So I, I guess a reality sort of sets you back to what could happen in that situation and we've just got to do the best with what we can. But as I said, my gut feeling says we'll be okay. It's it's not going to be easy, but we, we'll be able to ride through this and it's – for me, it's about helping other people as well. So it might be yeah, we all get stuck somewhere one day. We're all still able to talk to each other via maybe a, a radio of some sort or um, communication. I, I don't think we'll be able to talk with phones and things like that. But to be able to push away and move into a community and be able to help each other out with skills and things like that. So, like, you might be good at one thing, I might be good at another. It it all works together and um, I've got lots and lots of skills with manufacturing and um, welding and um, repairing things, making things, driving vehicles and trucks and machinery and all that sort of stuff. So they're all kind of things that um, go hand in hand with being able to build a community but I might lack in things like being able to build an, or make an awesome pot roast or something like that. So um, other people would excel at that. So I think it'll come down to um, where 
people may be moving away in communities if they don't choose to um, to follow the the narrative which they want us to do and be part of the slave system. Um, and I think my feeling is Australian history, our true Australian history, has been like that. It's been the people that have lived here in the past have pushed away and uh, moved away from what's been going on with colonisation and wanted to be out on their own and they've slowly but surely been chased down and, and hunted down over over time and I think that's been pretty much a part of the reset all over the world as well. But my, my gut feeling is we'll get through this and I, I've had bad dreams of like the lineups to the camps and stuff like that, trying to find my kids and um, you would do anything to be able to try and stop or protect them. But at the end of the day, we all have got to look after ourselves. And um, if, if we can't keep ourselves in check, um, we're not going to be good to the other people who, who rely on us and need us, um, wives, kids, families, um, things like that. So, it's as I said, it's probably a question I think of daily, and I just I keep feeling that it's going to be okay. So that's the main thing. Well, there you have it, Australia. Can't cook a pot roast, but we've got our bush mechanic on tow. If we do decide, hey, things are going pretty hairy here, we need to pack up and plot up and start afresh. It's good to know that we've got a welder that has some years under his belt. Like him, I could not cook if you paid me. So, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to be sexist here at the Powers of Drake. If you can cook, we would really appreciate your yummy food. Over to something a little lighter today in the segment. Recently, one of Australia's first unjabbed dating apps launched, Pure Match, and I became a member, but I'm not too sure what 86 Virtual Prospects is going to do for this bachelor. Is online dating the only place that a pure blood and not a muggle can go for relationships in a mostly technologically saturated and world, Tim? Probably not, mate. I I think uh, maybe some of these dating apps that we've got that are our sort of people calling them pure blood things might be a, a tracking and tracing um, kind of thing. Maybe it's to a, a way of fishing out who's not vaccinated and who's not towing the line. Um, so there, there's always a little bit of a worry with things like that, putting a target on your back as like people that are protesting and putting things up on the internet as as we do because we don't agree with what's going on. We've always got to remember there's a digital signature with everything we do. There's a, a target that you put on your back and um, like we've come to learn that platforms like Facebook and things like that were, were started as an information gathering tool um, to see how much information they could grab on people all the different face apps that are out there, all facial recognition technology. So we're just giving away all this information and technology and all of our private information um, to all these things. And I'm, I'm sure everybody's got a, a little cloud of like every single selfie that they've taken or um, 
things like that. So I guess when it comes down to your question with the dating um, and what's going on, it's it's sort of becoming quite easy when you know what circles to be in, um, to be more organic with um, who's who in the zoo. It's You start to see people uh, putting their own pieces of the puzzle together with um, different parts of history, um, getting out and using their voice and um, expressing themselves. And I think the organic way, going back to the old school way of meeting people and seeing people, I'm sure there's plenty of girls that see you online, mate, and see what you're doing and <laughs> just go, ooh, I'd like a piece of him. So he, he's <laughs> he's standing up there and being quite brave and um, that as well as, like we get up there and do our drumming and um, stand there on the front lines and all that. So yeah, I think a lot of what is going on isn't being unnoticed and there's boys and girls and men and women out there that take one tiny little action might have a massive reaction with a lot of people. So uh, we might think it's just a minor thing but... Mate, you get out there and use your voice and you're brave enough to do it and speak to the big wigs and ask the hard questions and I'm sure that there'd be plenty of women that would love a man around like that that are uh, brave enough to stand up and do that. So it's it's just a matter of, I think, coming back to being yourself and being passionate about what you do and um, it, it seems to be happening on, on the other end of things as well like we've got people that we see as shields and calling people out and these people are just following off into the distance with them like the Pied Piper and uh, a lot of people are getting marched off the edge of the cliff with different agendas or whatever they've got going on I'm sure it works in a another way as well is when you stand your ground and hold the truth and you're not afraid to speak up for what's going on people see that energy that comes from you and um, similar people come around you and uh, and will share that energy as well. I've been very lucky over the last couple of years to have new people come in my life and people that I, I would probably would have never associated with before because I'm into trucks and motorbikes and cars and boats and chainsaws and whatever under the, the sun and um got this community of people and friends that are all about love and life and helping people and all this sort of stuff and it's like wow okay that's it's an interesting turn of events that these uh people that are so involved with um like basic down-to-earth um things that they don't care about what possessions they've got what cars they've got anything like that, they they made a business out of maybe helping people or um, doing what is their true uh, calling and some of those people I'm, I'm really, really, really close friends with and really lucky to be friends with but like we can have a bit of a muck around and, um, and, and go and do stuff together and that's really cool. So I think changing your perspective and your outlooks um, definitely helps and uh, as your question was with the dating mate st stay to what you really truly 
should be and what your beliefs are and put your own pieces of the puzzle together, not um, not picking it out from what the mainstream is telling you. And that's how you find what's really true to heart, I think. Thanks for that public endorsement, ladies, man. No, no. Um, do you believe the world events following Canada and Trudeau's brazen attempt of re-Nazification and segregation has backfired and given even more power back to the people? Yeah, thanks, mate. That's a pretty good question. Um, I've got some pretty good mates in Canada who are involved in the transport industry and a good friend of mine has a massive platform in um, Canada and all around the world and we've been talking a lot about what's been going on. We've been sharing information about what's been happening in here in Australia um, and Jody's been sending a lot of different videos and bits and pieces, what they've had there. Um, obviously, the last couple of weeks in Canada, it's all just died. All of a sudden, we don't see anything that's going on. And they basically had the UN in there just clearing out all the bouncy castles and arresting people, truckers, all this sort of stuff, uh, freezing accounts of people who've donated to GoFundMe, uh, things like, a lady might not have been able to afford a terrible lot. She might have been a waitress or whatever, but she's donated $50 to GoFundMe to the um, the convoy that's gone on. And then all of a sudden her, um, her bank accounts are frozen and similar instances with independent truckers that are joining the convoys and things like that, they've, had their trucks taken, might be having their homes taken and things like that. So it's it's hard to say. I'm not there. I'm not on the ground and seeing what's happening. And it was amazing to see what filtered back through here with the community spirit, with people taking fuel to the truckers so they can still run their engines or run their heating packs and things like that so they can sleep in their trucks and all that, the all these people are there holding the line for what's going on and a great community spirit like in the States um, and in Canada as well. There's so much emphasis on the guys who are uh, in the transport industry and the people that are in the military and the first responders, the fire brigades and uh, police and things like that there's such a camaraderie and people have so much respect for those kind of services the long-haul drivers and things like that um, from what you see like the facilities that they have for drivers and big rig parks and over that you can go in and get your hair cut and go and get 13,000 different types of groceries and things like that at all these places, get tyres on your rig and fuel and all that sort of stuff. So there's obviously a lot bigger infrastructure there for a lot bigger population and they need these vehicles to be running across the country and not holding them up. And a lot of people live in their trucks over there. So that's their life. That's their what they do and it's not as easy here in Australia, especially here in Sydney. You want to pull up and go to the toilet in a truck or get some lunch somewhere, mate, it's impossible in Sydney. There's 
just nothing um, put there for us to be able to to do that. But that's sort of getting away from it all. Um, with what's happened in Canada, it's it seems to be um, an organised, orchestrated event, which we see the Illuminati card game and there's a trucker's blockade in there as well. And you think, oh, shit, maybe this is like a, a deliberate thing and we've seen what's come over the top of it, which is the Emergency Powers Act has been engaged and people's assets being frozen and uh, stuff like that. So, again, people have stood up and... um fought for what's morally right and put their um their egos on hold and put everything they've got on the line because that might be all they've got left and the government has come in and gone no we're not doing that we're stealing 10 or 20 million dollars or whatever it was that was raised from the gofundme to help all this sort of stuff um and it's obviously absolutely violent all the stuff that's going on i mean mate there's bouncy castles everywhere so the battle of the bouncy castle where the un have come in and and taken over in the streets um is quite shameful really but um it's it's hard to tell what the the truth is behind it and um my friends over there are obviously quite passionate about um the the freedom side of it and standing up for their rights and all that but maybe maybe it's the whole Pied Piper thing again it's there's been something at the start that's led it and everyone else has joined on the back of it and they've all got there and then boom the reaction is exactly what they wanted they've the government have been able to invoke steps to carry out um these uh, agendas that they have planned and it makes it very easy for them to do that. So obviously we can't look at what they design us to see. We've got to look outside the blocks. We've got to take the blinkers off and see what's really going on around and same old sleight of hand tactic as well. It's like I, I feel for the people that are over there and it's happening here and there's been a lot of people that have stood up against this sort of stuff with convoys and one of our most famous transport legends has come from in the 70s, the blockade that they had at Razorback, which was a group of guys all stood together and said, no, we're not we're not doing this anymore. You're poisoning the industry. Uh, we're overloaded with taxes and things like that. And they just basically parked up on Razorback and, and stopped everything. And the community joined in with them as well. And um, it that's... It made some positive changes, but they just slowly keep bringing in these soft laws to take away all little bits and pieces. The the bigger companies just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and the mum and dad companies that have got two, three trucks, a couple of trailers, a couple of people working for them, paying a massive amount of money for uh, registrations, fuels, things like that, and then I imagine that part of the climate change uh, stuff that's coming in, like agendas for vehicles that are over 10 years old to be double the cost of registrations because the vehicles don't meet XYZ 
parameters for um, emissions and things like that. It's it's happened here for 10 or 15 years in the M5 tunnel. If you've had an old truck and it's blowing smoke, bang, you get a, a photo in the mail and says, okay, your truck's blowing smoke, you've got a $1,500 fine to pay. So there will be disadvantages for people who don't have new equipment that meets like the Euro standards for fuel and emissions. That The biggest trouble we saw at the end of the generation of vehicles that went from pre-emission, like pre-EGR uh, and things like that in trucks was you, you might have had a truck that used two and a half kilometres per litre in 2007 and then three years later there was a truck that uses like so much more fuel per kilometre later on. So you've got this truck now that's supposed to be better on emissions but it's using more fuel and at the end of the day they're drawing more material out of the ground we can't call it fossil fuel because that's a a racket but they're drawing more petroleum out of the ground to propel the vehicles down the road they generate more heat they not as efficient and things like that and then you've got other chemicals that need to be added into the mix as well so you've got your ad blue which is a urea mix which that's injected into the exhaust of the uh, truck to um, change the parameters of the exhaust gases that come out so technically they come out the tip of the exhaust pipe cleaner but we saw here a couple of weeks and months ago that there was an ad blue shortage so all of a sudden there's probably half the fleet of trucks that are out there that are all new can't go anywhere because they can't get any AdBlue. Now the price of AdBlue has gone through the roof. Some people were paying $8 a litre, I think, which is ridiculous. And it's a good way to sort of pull the noose tighter and tighter on companies and people. And people have got to have these trucks running. Like you, you would imagine that most of the trucks that get fuel from the refineries down here in Botany would run on AdBlue and things like that to deliver fuel to the service stations and whatnot. They can't get the fuel from uh, Botany, the tanks that are here where it's uh, shipped in, to the service stations. No one can move anything. So, the yeah, the flow-on effect of just a tiny little thing like this to the general population is massive. Um, we, we see how... The supermarkets at Coffs Harbour, the shelves are empty at the moment. Nobody can get anything because there's blockages in uh, getting transport to these communities with being able to service their um, their shelves and things like that. People are going out panic buying and things like that. I think the only thing left in the shelves uh, on the Woolies at Coffs Harbour was bananas because obviously they're local. So it's... It it just takes a tiny little break in the chain to cause a massive chain reaction further down the line and all these little bits and pieces that are making life more and more difficult can um, have a or technology that comes in to make things easier can make life harder in the long run. So what happens when our mobile phones go out? Like how do we... How can we navigate around it? People still got books to be able to um, find how to get around. Uh, what happens when there's a electromagnetic pulse or something like that that you can't start your car? 
and you need some sort of thing to be able to press the button in your car to start it. Like, do people still have old cars that they can drive around just in case? Like, I've covered a few bases like that. It's going to be more and more little bits and pieces that stop us dead in our tracks that aren't going to let us roll along. And the biggest thing is going to be the cash flow. They're trying to dry up cash as quick as they want, as they can, and have everything electronic. At the end of the day, it's only numbers on a screen. We need to be able to trade things and barter things in our communities. So you might be able to get a heap of fruit and veg to somebody and they trade you some diesel or something like that for your, for your vehicle or your tractor or to be able to run your generator or things like that. We've all got a realistically planning for these sorts of things ahead and not stuck in our in our castles with 7,000 rolls of toilet paper and things like that. We should have been out buying fuel and in 1,000-litre pods and things like that and being able to store it. But a lot of people don't have that luxury of being able to do things like that, but you need to be able to save things um, and keep things for a rainy day with what's going on. So, yeah, it, it is it is worrying and Going back to the the convoy there, there is this trend of um, what's happening around the world. There are people engaging in the community spirit to help these people out because, like, you see people carrying um, jerry cans of uh, fuel out to these truckers and things like that because they're holding the line for people. But where where's the breaking point? That's the... The, the problem a lot of these people are already on breaking point and they're doing this because they need it to be able to uh, survive and to try and keep going they've put all almost their eggs in one basket with maybe running a business or having trucks and things like that because it's it was quite lucrative in the day to be able to do that but the the big companies are just taking over um you, I think probably the thing that resonates with most people is you go down the street and look at all the shop fronts that are empty and you can go online onto Amazon or anything like that. There's a, there's a massive place out at the back of Eastern Creek there where they're building one of the biggest buildings you've ever seen for Amazon. But you've, you've got every single uh, knick-knack on the shelf there in a warehouse that you can click and collect, like click and it arrives on your doorstep later. Like that, it does nothing for the mum and dad companies that are down here that have been running bakeries and cake shops and selling little bits and pieces for 20, 30 years. The, we, we've had it happen ourselves in our own family. We had a, a clothing business which went for 50 or 60 years and we just had to shut it up like that because people are just going online and, and doing that. And that's a part of the community that's gone forever. It's my my grandparents and my family knew everybody in the community, every single person that came in there. They sold everything from insurance to suits and um and and sportswear. They even had a bank at one stage there where people had come in and do their banking in the local community and then they just got rid of the bank altogether in the town. So it's those little bits and pieces that are just dying and will never, ever come back. Like that's 50 or 60 years down the drain, gone. I always like to try and support our 
local people, um, our local businesses and things like that over going online and um, just ordering something because quite often like you, you go on eBay and you might buy something that's a little bit cheaper or whatever but it probably when it turns up it's junk, you can't get warranty on it. Um, you you There's nothing that's cheap on eBay quite often. It's the price is driven up by demand so um, sometimes going close to home so uh, what you're looking for is going to pay off in the long run and it will always be there for you. Quite a summary. Thank you for that, Tim. And I'm so sorry what happened with your family's business respectfully, but the mum and dad shops are a thing of the past and the last 60 years has taught us anything. It's that drones are in and people are out. People are disposable. I was I was just looking at some of the, the way these robotics and AI has just advanced so speedingly so in the last couple of months even and things that are coming out now they're even finding robots to shoot guns and fight wars in and it's like where where where's the camaraderie going to go where's community spirit going to go where's the australian spirit headed to if we're getting drones to deliver woolies and coles groceries to little old ladies there's not really going to be any old little old ladies anymore isn't there because they've all been vaccinated to kingdom come they've triple or fourth boosted by now because the television is telling them this is the thing you have to be afraid of. It's it's living. It's not dying anymore. It's living. It's living past a, another milestone. It's living past uh, another flood, another century. But the thing that's happening right now that's really upsetting is that just because something's a bit cheaper on your Amazons and your Yahoos doesn't mean that you wouldn't be buying something with blood money. And we don't know where that money goes at the end of the day. We don't know what corporation gets rich quick by us saving 10 or $20 on an item we might want and possess in our homes. And it's really important that if you can find local, go local, ladies and gentlemen. If you can find a farmer on the side of the street that's selling bananas and they look like they're pretty ripe, but they're probably better than anything you'll ever find in your fruit and veg section at the local uh, you know, shopping center. Go and do it. Don't even don't even hesitate because I'm telling you that that food wouldn't be sprayed with pesticides. That food going off is because it's natural stuff. And it brings me over to my next question about keeping it natural. What are, what what are you doing in your household, respectively, right now, uh, Tim? Um, that you'd be happy to share on the air, obviously, in relation to just cutting cutting out the middleman, cutting out pesticides, GMO, and other toxins that are being sprayed on our food um, to, to, to promote longevity? What am I doing? Probably not enough. Um, that would be the simple answer, but always trying to improve and always learning, um, looking at, at different things, different effects and causes um, from what we're ingesting, what we're eating, uh, even down to the the noise uh, that we surround ourselves by. Um, a, a lot of these things will wear you down over time. And one of the biggest things I've, I've really changed, and I think it's the basic first step, you can you can quite often tell if you go to someone's bathroom and you look at what toothpaste they use is um, what what they're actually poisoning themselves with. So um, I, I've noticed a massive difference in over the years with using toothpaste that's fluoride free, 
Um, and it was actually from a friend of mine who's, um, she's from Latvia and she dropped the penny for me 10 years ago or 12 years ago, sort of explaining that this fluoride that's in our toothpaste and in our water and things like that is used to dumb us all down. It, it does nothing for our teeth, but um, makes our teeth worse and they're rotten in our heads. And so getting onto a good program with uh, cleaning your teeth and the water that you drink and all that sort of stuff. And then I've been very lucky to have friends over the same sort of time over the last 10 years that are right into uh, water filtration, re-energizing water to make it actually alive and uh, structured water. There are techniques and instruments out there which can put different products into water, change the molecular structure of water because obviously so much of our body is is water and we rely on what we put in there. Most of us don't drink enough water. We don't have enough there to cleanse and flush out the toxins that are in our body so they're obviously going to go to to different places as well but you can go into Woolies and buy a five litre jug of demineralized water I've got a couple of them in the car I like to drink the the Ossa water from Tasmania uh, again supporting a homegrown company from uh, from Tassie but the water's like really nice and clear and clean and comes in a glass bottle it's old school so you don't have any of the contaminants leaching out of the plastic into your water as well which is and it it tastes good so it might be two dollars seventy a litre or something like that but if you drink one or two or three of those a day uh, we go down to the beach and you might take two and you'll knock both of them down in an afternoon but you feel vitalized and refreshed so again back to the structured water and things like that there's a, there's a guy in America who talks about Brown's gas and it was something that was quite interesting to look into. The guy has machines which we use to revitalize water and the gases that come off the water wind, they energize it in certain ways. It comes up with a, a product called Brown's gas and Brown's gas has been used for Lots and lots and lots of different treatments for anything from fixing cancers to arthritis and things like that. So that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like it's definitely worth having a quick look on uh, some of your uh, media platforms that you can look on that will actually let you have a look. Anything and the guy says anything that's on Wikipedia is immediately shot down, um, but. It's an old tradition um, that they have dug up again and start using, and it's it's quite incredible. So I've been watching that a little bit and sharing it with friends and friends that are very into natural remedies and things like that. Going, hey, have you guys heard of this before? So there there are little bits and pieces out there, and that that's it. It's just building the own pieces of your puzzle and putting your own puzzle together and. I've got problems with scar tissue and things like that in, in my knee after recent surgery and things like that. And it's like, hey, maybe that's, that's a another alternative to look at rather than keep getting in, having more invasive surgery or um, 
they it, it's quite interesting the treatments and the results that they've been getting out of this and this guy who actually in, had these machines he built them on a commercial level and he had customers coming back to him saying this cured my cancer this did this and he's like no it, it can't do that I don't believe you and he actually said like I was wrong he said I've looked into what these people are doing the treatments that they're they're having and they're actually having good effects so it's there are a lot of alternative measures out there there are a lot of buried and squashed um technologies out there because it doesn't suit the narrative of certain um industries that promote um yeah promote well-being and things like that they're they're just masking the symptoms of what's actually going on like if you've got a headache why you got a headache is it because you're dehydrated or is it because you need to go and take another pill to stop the headache and mask the problem for a little while um and these this is the line of thinking that everybody's coming into you every every single ad that you watch on tv is about consume 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 it's like that famous movie they live we sleep old mate puts the the sunglasses on and then he sees the truth um like he's got all these he's somewhere in town and there's all these billboards there and it's saying like do this do this do this buy this it's all good and then he puts the sunglasses on it says consume obey consume so you would have seen the memes getting around there's a guy with a really long blonde mullet and he's got the glasses down like this and he might see like one of the Rockefellers and then he puts them on and then he sees a lizard or something like that so it's quite a it's quite a good famous old movie very very c-grade movie but um it's really a documentary about what really goes on um and yeah we we are programmed to consume we're programmed to buy 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 spend 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 go to work pay more tax fill the coffers up for the for the government um and things like that i was i was programmed like that for a long time and didn't realize why i was so angry so tired so exhausted well that's because you work 60 70 80 hours a week um and what's more important than that your health like the being able to change that programming and be awake and aware what's going on you go you you can only go against the grain for so long before your body says no and it it'll either it's like bending a ruler back it'll bend back so far and it'll just go and go back straight again or it'll snap so um we've got to be able to give ourselves the time to um regrow the leaves on the tree once the leaves blow off um a somebody who's been very good to me has used the analogy of a a, a jumbo jet when it's going between two different countries it might take off and use 110 percent of its power to take off and lift up it gets up to a cruising altitude and it just cruises at 80 percent like there's nothing wrong with cruising along at 80 percent and you're not using all your energy 
to get there, but if you can just cruise along, you've always got a little bit in reserve. And it's it's quite a good way to look at things. And um, we've just got to retrain ourselves to think differently um, and be a lot more calm. Like I worked in Europe for um, a couple of months and people would ride their bikes to the factory and they would go to work and they would do this amazing work and then bing, the bell would go, yep, we go for a smoke hole. And they'd go in and have their coffee and all this sort of stuff. And then the bell would go again and they'd come back and they'd do the same for lunch. They'd have half an hour for lunch. And so that they would probably only work seven hours, but they would still have this amazing product um, out the door at the end of the day. And here in Australia, we'd work 10, 12 hours, no worries whatsoever. And like might only have a tiny bit of time for, uh, our breaks and things like that but then we're sitting in the car for an hour and a half to get to um, to work or things like that whereas these guys are just riding a bike to work and it's just around the corner so it's it's interesting to see the lifestyle differences that are um, across the world and I worked in the UK and there was a guy from South Africa there and we're talking about Australia he goes oh man I'd never come to work in Australia he goes you guys work too hard like you have to work so much harder to get anywhere and do this everyone has to work and he said I can live here in the UK and and just work a normal life and live nice and comfortably and that sort of was a another penny drop moment to me I, was, I thought you know what this guy's actually right it's it's conditioning and we're pretty bad for it as Australians. We've we've got this great Australian dream that we never wake up from. And it's as as I said, we're going against the grain too much. If if we step back and relaxed and reassess things and not trying to keep up with the Joneses all the time, um, we might be in a better position for the future, but um yeah every everybody's pretty well wrapped up around the axles and I th- the, our society's designed that way i think everyone's a slave to the system of debt and been guilty of it myself taking on more than what you can really do and i wish that i had had better information and better insight to it there's obviously family and the older generation saying don't do this don't do that and quite often it was like yeah I'll show you I've been pretty lucky having information like that but like I can look back now to when I was in my late teens and go geez I wish I never did this and be more focused and been in a better headspace then because it it might have turned out better now but maybe I'd be stuck with a, a huge mortgage and a couple of kids and or a couple more kids and had these massive overheads and then you've got no choice but to to follow what the government wants you to do and be cucked by them. So you know, everything happens for a reason at the end of the day and we are all here at this time um, and placed here on the planet at this moment to 
have some sort of effect and make a difference. Like the butterfly effect for us, for what we're doing now, will uh, resonate through history and from here on in. Each single person has their own little their little job to do to to get us all through this. Wise words, Tim. I don't know if it's just me, but every time I see someone out in the wide world out there drinking out of a plastic bottle of Mount Franklin, which we know is sponsored by Coca-Cola, um, even the bottles have patent numbers on them. Every light we look up now at every major train and bus stop has a patented number on it. And I don't know if people know this, but if you put that patented number into the World Wide Web and you go on to DuckDuckGo or even Google for that matter, it comes up with some pretty alarming truths. These are not actually numbers to do with the electrical source. They're not numbers to do with the light fixture. They're not even numbers to do with the area or code that they're placed in. It's actually a type of technology that's being used along with 5G, very close proximity to these lights, you are literally getting microwaved to death and you don't even realize it, ladies and gentlemen. Now, in relation to protocols, this is a really important part to before we end the show tonight. What can we be doing to protect our body, which is a temple? And in most religions of the world today, it, the body is a temple and we have to take care of it. We only have one of them here on this side of the earth, Tim. What can we be doing as far as protocol or, or, or natural uh, living, you know, to not just look after our mentality, but also our physicality to avoid these elements of EMF just constantly being charged at us with all of these new technologies that be? Yeah, you're exactly right with the patents there, mate. There's a lot of patents that have been shelved that are actually good for us and bought up by oil companies and things like that to do that. But I I always sort of thought, and it's come to light the last week, is if I was a person who was able to get into government or politics or something like that to, to ban the plastic bottles because, like, We've seen the rise of them over the last 20 or 25 years. We had our Coke bottles and stuff like that that come in 600 mil in the late 90s and now everything's in a plastic bottle, all your water, things like that. Like if you'd said to someone in uh, the late 90s that you're going to sell bottled water, they'd laugh at you because you get water out of a tap and now it's convenient to do that and water is more expensive than petrol which is silly, like what's in it? Is it straight out of the tap? Is I've worked at the water treatment plants and seen what goes into the the water that we drink and the chemicals that go in there to treat it and to make it, I wouldn't say fit for consumption, but what comes out of the tap is clean and clear and, yeah, we're not going to get malaria and cholera. And Stop the record for one moment, Australia. So if it's drinkable and it makes it more drinkable, as you said earlier today, what exactly are they putting into our drinking water that's getting everyone sick? And if this whole Giardia outbreak a few years ago, as we know here in Sydney, was in fact caused by man, can we reverse the curse at Sydney Water? I think what we don't realise here in Australia is our infrastructure and what is underground, especially around the eastern suburbs and um, along the coastline, the 
water mains that are there are really, really old. And I'm not talking like 100, 150 years old. I'm talking hundreds of years more than what is really there. So trouble is we all see what happens to water when it sits stagnant in a pond or uh, something like that in the garden. Um, it starts to go green, starts to grow funky things in it. So the offset to that is when they treat the water that uh, we get in Sydney and places like that is they use quite a lot of chemicals to do that. They uh, Obviously the last stage of what they do is fluoridate the water, which the fluoride levels are controlled by New South Wales Health. Uh, before the water actually leaves the plant but there is different um, processes what they use in adding lime adding acids uh, chlorinating the water and things like that to so we're not getting that green or brown sludge out of the tap when we turn it on we obviously see in other third world countries that we have uh, overseas, these poor people are drinking out of muddy holes and wells and things like that. And really we take um, that for granted. We, we've never had to, we've never had somewhere where you just can't pull the tap on and get clear water come out of the tap. And that's, that's the offset for it. We just need to be careful what we're doing and where we can to be able to put filters and things like that on our water systems like you might be um, showering in normal water and things like that but the the products that are in the water can still be quite harmful and obviously it's become very taboo to really drink tap water and things like that now we can drink it and survive on it and not get sick from it which is the requirements for our governments and councils and things like that to supply for us but yeah we really need to be concentrating on what comes out of the tap and what we put into our bodies like that for sustainability and waters waters one of the main things you said with the outbreak there a couple of years before I'm not really full bottle on on that but as I said there is all these um, chemicals petrochemicals that we store water and drinks and things like that in that are having effects and there were, there were concerns a while back with like drinking water in bottles in the cars and stuff like that and plastic leaching into the drinking water and there were there were all sorts of tests and things like done with that and it's like mobile phones they they say one minute oh yeah uh, mobile phones are safe and then the next minute they'll go oh no they're, they're frying your brain so it's definitely a lot of control measures in there to make sure that we don't know what's really going on. It would not surprise me at all if a large portion of fluoride stocks was linked back to Mr. Gates, Soros, and all of the petrol companies in Greater United Arab Emirates and, and what have you, other empires of the world. Fluoride actually doesn't do anything good for us. In fact, when I was going to an Ask Me page about fluoride on good old World Wide Web today, I'm just going to read out seven of the side effects known taking fluoride. Ready for it? Number one, tooth discoloration. 
Consumption of too much fluoride leads to yellow and brown teeth. Number two, tooth decay. A high intake of fluoridated water can actually lead to the weakening of enamel. That's why you need a dentist. Funny that, isn't it? Number three, skeletal weakness. Four, neurological problems. So that whole dumbing down and control of society. It's good for a pandemic, isn't it, Tim? Number five, high blood pressure. That's why you need blood pressure pills. And that's why a lot of people don't make it past their 70th birthday today that are on a concoction of drugs. Number six, acne. Oh man. I've seen so much bad like myself in the last 20 years. I've had some skin irritations and I believe it's largely to the water I've drunk, the shower tap water that I've used and without filters. And number eight, seizures. So if New South Wales Health is in fact controlling and regulating what goes into our drinking water, what's going on at all the dams at the moment and in relation to that draw up a couple of years ago, I remember in Parliament House here in New South Wales, Macquarie Street, the UN was taking over for the next five years, in fact, the, the dams. What the hell does a United Nations agency have to do with drinking water? And why, in fact, are bureaucrats of a health portion making decisions on what we put into our body? If it's not a vaccine, it's the water that we're drinking. Where do we draw the line, Tim? It's actually a a funny story that I can tell you. And it's about a very, very clever Australian man, Romley Stewart Stover, who is and has fought against the corporations very, very, very clever with all the different situations. But I I won't go too much into his story. You can look him up, Romley Stewart, on YouTube and different places like that. But he actually turned around to the local government in Cairns, where he's from, with assistance from another person. And he wrote the council a letter. And they actually said, we want one doctor to sign off on the fluoride that is in the water, in our drinking water, in our drinking water, and we want one doctor to say that it's safe. He said, we don't want a list of doctors and all that sort of stuff to do that. But in their letter, they said, we just want one doctor to say that it's safe. And if it's not safe for us to be ingesting fluoride in our water and things like that. We want to be paid a yearly compensation of, I think it was $250,000. Quite an interesting story. And they said, we need a response to this in two weeks. Otherwise, like we take it as tacit consent that you agree to it. And we said, we don't want a, a heap of doctors to come out. We just want one doctor. We want his date of birth. So we can sue him if anything goes wrong and whatever. And the council actually removed the fluoride machine, removed the fluoride machines and destroyed them from the council water supply. And he he comes out, and this is only 12 months, 18 months ago, he, he spoke about this. I'm not sure how long prior to the actual letter that they'd put in to council was but he said still to this day I'm informed that the Cairns water supply enjoys not having any fluoridated water in their in their drinking water in their in their system so it's quite interesting to see like a, a map of all the different countries in the world who have banned fluoride in their water and who's still got it and like America and Australia and it's obviously there to dumb us down and to make us sick and all that kind of thing, but 
if people collectively got together and wrote letters to their council and said, hey, we, we want this similar sort of thing as what Romley Stewart has said, imagine the difference like a small army of people could make if they fronted their local government areas, their local councils and things like that and said, hey, what you're doing is wrong. There's we want We want you to sign off on it say one doctor says there are health benefits for um having fluoride in their water maybe all these other local government areas and places like that would mysteriously have all these fluoride systems taken out of our drinking supply and out of our water i know we're going to get fact checked for this one good old snopes.com if you're listening A quick public service announcement to all the children out there. If a child swallows more than a pea-sized amount of toothpaste, the product label advises calling the Poison Control Centre. No, I'm not talking about a bottle of ethanol or methylated spirits in Dad's shed. I'm talking about toothpaste. You know, everyday... Like, who hasn't swallowed a bit of toothpaste, right? You think it tastes nice, it tastes minty fresh. You're not even thinking of the implications of why, why you're feeling tired, run down. You're even having sore bones, And furthermore, fluoride causes cancer. And what does cancer equal for doctors in bed with Big Pharma? It means more petrol sold. It means more products are sold. It means more overheads are met. And it means that they make you sick and a continual customer. We need to call it out today here on the Powers of Drake. Fluoride no longer needs to be in our drinking water supply. Stop drinking out of water bottles that involve microplastics and other nasties and start looking at the back of your packaging. You can do this level of justice for your body to survive a plague of sorts, if you want to call it that, but we just call it common sense and critical thinking. Now, before we go, for anybody wanting to follow your independent contributions on social media and keep up to date on your drumming, trucking, events and survival tips, what's the best way to contact you, Tim? I do have uh, a page on Instagram, which is some call him Tim, like the old cliche out of the the Monty Python movies. Um, So you can probably find me through friends lists and things like that through... Uh, Dom or Alblen or some of the other boys and girls. I, I still like to try and keep fairly private. I've got a fairly small uh, audience of people that I talk to and things like that. But um, yeah, we're all getting louder voices. We're all connecting more. Um, for some reason, I've got inundated with half Canadian, half German girls wanting to be my friend all the time that are single and hot and got zero posts and follow 3,000 people, but they've only got 125 follow them. So I think daily there's one or two or three requests for uh, friend requests for girls from Canada. So if you've got a Canadian and German flag on your thing and you are quite a good-looking lady, there's probably not a good chance I'm going to accept you as a friend mm. <laughs> and block you. But, um, yeah, there's I, I always vet most of the accounts that I uh, share information with and all that, quite a lot of it's with my kids and things like that as well. But, um, yeah, it's... I do like to share the odd meme and uh, disinformation um, quite regularly as well. Um, I've had a couple of other accounts 
that have been uh, fact-checked to the hilt and cancelled and all that sort of stuff on Instagram. Um, did have a lot of shadow banning and things like that. And I, I'm very careful of what I put on my normal account because I've got lots of good friends all around the world and be a real pain in the butt to go back around and to try and find all these people again. But, yeah, we're very, very lucky with um, Instagram, I think, and what we're able to talk with people around the world. I've got friends that work in the pharma, pharmaceutical litter industry in um, in the States and they share amazing information about ivermectin and all different sorts of drugs, um, natural things, uh, things that are harming us, things to watch out for, um, side effects and all that sort of stuff. Probably coming back to the pharmaceutical industry and the pharmacies, what happens when you take the pee off the, the front of pharmacy? You've got pharmacy, so it's hidden there in plain sight really what it's uh what it's doing to us all and i've i've seen grandparents and things like that with basically got a tackle box of pills to take every day um and there's there's no way that sort of stuff can be good for them and causing things like osteoporosis and different different things um and they they've been a customer for life uh for 50, 60 years with all the different pills that they've had to take and all that. So hopefully we can, our generations can get away from that. And nature is a very, very clever thing. It's hidden all the medicine inside the fruits and vegetables with in, in seeds and things like that. Um, talking to somebody about it yesterday and they said uh, apricot seeds uh, or crushed apricot seeds are one of the best antioxidants and cures for cancer and things like that we're not sold that we're told to go and get radiated by uh, chemo and and do all this sort of stuff tim johnston thank you for your time today and fighting for the cause mate i hope to get you back on my show in the near future that brings the powers of drake sessions free with tim johnston to a close for more information be sure to check out some call him tim underscore or the powers of drake 2.0 and all the information provided today and articles that may not have been able to make it on the show because of time not permitting will be in the bio good night